It's called wokeness, and it's a plague. A plague that places tyranny before freedom, criminality over virtue, and hate over love. It's a plague that threatens what millions have died for. Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be. We will fight it. We will defeat it. We will eradicate it. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the least woke man in America. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am America's favorite 43-year-old clump of cells, a.k.a. the least woke man in America. Welcome to another episode. I want to start this episode by thinking back to last fall. Last fall, we had some things going on all at the same time which were pretty dire. We had the disastrous Joe Biden Afghanistan pull up. Remember that? People falling from planes. Some Marines were killed. People trampling all of each other. Just a disaster. A mismanaged, no sense of urgency, no planning, no discipline, disaster. We had Hurricane Ida. I know it wasn't a massive hurricane. They became like a household name, like some of the other ones, Katrina, etc. But it dumped a ton of water in the southeast, lots of flooding there, worked up through uh, right to the northeast where it flooded New Jersey, New York City terribly. People were sucked into the sewer system, basement apartments were flooded, the subway system was flooded, major damage. California, as usual, massive wildfires, but this time it was really bad. There's some other states, but California was the worst. So all this is going on. I have people who know me well, know I follow current events closely, etc tend to think these things through, saying, oh, do you think it's the end of the world? Do you think it's like biblical times? Well, I have a couple problems with that. First of all, it's a very America-centric view of all that. There's 8 billion other people around the world outside of America, and there's events taking place in America. America is not the central focus of God, if you will, all right, for all of us who are dumb enough to actually believe in a higher power. So I said, you know, it'd be one thing if five, you know, excuse me, three Category 5 hurricanes hit Florida at once, and a uh earthquake hit california like a nine on the richter scale unheard of and 40 tornadoes came through the midwest and the southeast all at the same time then you could say the big guy upstairs is not happy okay especially with america and then if you it's all going on it's same similar events were taking place around the rest of the world that i could say we're in big trouble, even though somehow the tree huggers would make it out that now climate change can create earthquakes. And I'm kidding you not, that will happen within my lifetime. You will hear the nuts talk about earthquakes coming from climate change. I wouldn't be surprised if I went on Google right now. Somehow I could find a freaking climate Nazi talking about how climate change creates earthquakes. But let's not go there. So all this stuff is taking place. And I said, and I told people, the hurricane obviously is, in my opinion, God-made. I'm sure, they, I, you know, they love milking the hurricanes and climate change and blah, blah, blah. Let's not go there. But I said, California is full of enlightened, intelligent progressives who, like other, who refuse to manage their forests correctly, even though they know everything about vegetation and life and nature and you name it. Texas has millions of acres of, you know, forests that could burn down. But magically it happens. It's called forest management. Look it up. And Afghanistan was completely man-made. Botched, the normal progressive, woke, liberal, complete lack of respect for reality. That turned into a disaster. So, flash forward, where I'm going with all this is, you look at 2022. 
June 2022, where we are right now, okay? As a podcaster, there is so much stuff floating around I could talk about. January 6th, Russia, Ukraine, inflation, oil, mass shootings, crime, Biden just being a train wreck, can't talk, has dementia, that sick story that just came out about Ashley Biden in her, her diary. Look that puppy up. That is just, and I am not one that feeds off this stuff, that is on my iPad or iPhone hourly digging up dirt about Joe Biden, Hunter Biden. I'm more of an issues guy. I'm more of a how we fix this guy. guy. What, what are the problems? Let's move on for the good of the country, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so I'm not one of these people that just, you know, you know what I'm talking about. People just drink this stuff constantly as far as garbage from big name people on the other side of the political spectrum. But there's some stories that whether you're like that or not have to be read and understood because they give you a perspective of what you're dealing with. And now this Ashley Biden diary story is just as bad as the Hunter laptop story. It's like, what the hell type of people are we dealing with here as far as who's flying the plane in one of the most troubling periods of American history? There's just no way to get around that. So you look at our list of problems right now. Uh, the oil problem, the now that the Colorado River problem. I have listened it was as far as running out of water. I have heard about the Colorado River since I was in high school in the nineteen mid nineties. Then when I went to college, I even got I got an accounting degree, but I took a lot of geography classes because I like geography. Of course, you know the, <laughs> those professors were not Rush Limbaugh listeners. Let's put it that way. And I heard about the Colorado River driving up, and that was twenty years ago. So now we, okay, I'll get back to that in a second, back to that in a second. The gasoline situation, which as I mentioned on my last podcast, a big part of that no one's talking about is the lack of refineries. We closed two major refineries, I believe it was, because of COVID. They didn't reopen them because you're not going to believe this. Refineries are owned by private companies who have the right, since it's their property, if they don't, if they see because of government regulation and uh, nonstop envir environmental puppeteering by environmentalists, if they see that those refineries aren't going to be profitable, it's their, comp their pro property, they don't have to turn it back on. And some of those did not get turned back on after COVID because long-term, they don't think they're going to be profitable. My point is we have a major refinery shortage in this country. If just one or two of them gets knocked out, say by hurricanes or a terrorist attack, we are in huge trouble. So we have that problem. We have the housing problem. I'm going to put a new, I'm trying to put a new section on leasewoke.com called economic essentials, where you just burn through all the BS and get right down to the real story. And like, take for example, housing. Okay. I'm going to put a link on there, 60 minutes. Obviously not a very conservative-friendly outfit on a very not conservative-friendly network. I get it. But one thing, they had a great story on there, even though they conveniently uh, did not include illegal immigrants, who, in my opinion, are also driving up rent and housing prices because you absolutely cannot have 2 million people wander into a country and not expect some type of change in housing and rent prices. That's impossible. But the 60-minute story talks about how you know, you had the run-up in 08, then we had the crash in 08. Uh, a lot of uh, banks really tightened up their lending standards. So between 08 
And the banks were in chaos. Let's not forget that. So between 08 and about 2012, you had real tight lending standards. That really slowed down new construction. And one thing I don't think they mentioned, but I just know from personal experience I'm in construction, is that a lot of those houses that went in foreclosure in 08, uh, eventually a lot of them had to be condemned and, and knocked down because they sat in limbo for so long because of black mold and all t roof leaks and all types of other issues, they all had to be knocked down. So post-08, you had a lot of houses being knocked down, a lot of houses not being built, which of course, between legal citizens having babies and illegals coming into the country, the population continued to grow. We weren't up to normal housing production until 2016, 17, 18, et cetera. Then COVID hits, prices go through the roof, there's shutdowns, it all tightens up again as far as housing production, the number of permits pulled and the number of housing units built. So that's a serious problem. Let's just take those three I just talked about. Here's my concern. Here's my major concern. Whether it's the water shortage in the West, whether it's the gasoline refineries, whether it's the housing situation, None of these problems are fixed overnight. I hate to tell you, the Colorado River thing bothers me so much after I mentioned before, hearing about it for 20 years. And you can't tell me that during those 20 years, when everybody knew it was going to dry up, desalinization plants like they use in the Middle East, where there's millions of people and not much natural water in the ground, and not much rain, they have desalinization plants. Israel has some incredible desalinization plants. We couldn't build those along the West Coast. I'm not a conspiracy guy, but I tend to believe the environmental Nazis, they were excited about the Colorado River drying up. Because, see, they're waiting for the last drop of water to come down that river. Now it's abject hell, which they don't seem to have a problem with. Look at some of these left-wing DAs, which we're going to talk about at some point in these inner cities, the number of people they allow to die or get robbed or raped from criminals. You're dealing with the same psyche, if you want, with the environmental nuts. They wanted the last drop of water to come down that river and point to it and say, See, we told you this is how serious climate change is. Now you're going to take you know, the type of cars we want you to drive and the food you, we want you to eat and the size of the house we want you to build very seriously because now because of climate change, there's no water. Look at all the suffering. I'm not a conspiracy guy. I got to think there, there has been no sense of urgency over decades to fix that problem. I mean, I'm on the East Coast. I can easily say, well, that's not their problem, but I'm not an idiot. That's all the same country. We are going to pay uh, repercussions for what is taking place with the water mess uh, out, out west. So, and, and now we're behind the eight ball with that, okay? Th this is a serious problem, not fixed overnight. The gasoline refineries being hell-bent, they're hell-bent on changing the entire dynamic as far as electrical cars and everything else because of this paradigm that they choose to live in while making fun of everybody else about this climate change emergency which if you talk to kid, people 30 and under, it's amazing. I don't know if you have kids or whatever, but you talk to kids under 30, they have got them in such a dire mindset when it comes to climate change. Same people will make fun of religion and make fun of people teaching their kids about heaven and hell and God and Jesus. They have saturated their minds 
with this climate hell. They don't even know what direction they're going. Most of them don't think they're going to live to be 50 years old. It's all psychological abuse like everything else they touch. So, so you know, they, 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 they've tried to uh, take the world's most second most well you could start water is the most precious resource right oil's number two so you're over here with complete reality a resource that billions of people rely upon on a daily basis while over on the other hand you have a complete environmental utopia false paradigm and those people through bullying through misinformation have manipulated the market for the most precious resource as far as getting it out of the ground, distributing it, using it, refinery, etc. This is a dangerous situation. We, we are talking about, I guess what I'm saying, you have reality over here on the left and you have a fantasy world on the right and the people in the fantasy world are dictating reality when when these things are mismanaged in reality, we are talking about suffering, we are talking about starvation, we are talking about people shooting each other None of this is what I, I want, but as a student of history, someone who actually reads history, which your average woke leftist does not do, I'm just saying these are dangerous territories. And now we get into the food situation. So water, oil, and now food. And which is affect, you know, food is grown by fertilizer in this world. I mean, you can find some Amish people, you can find some super duper organic superstars who never touch fertilizer. God bless them with my garden. I've never figured it out, probably won't in this lifetime. But for the most part, this planet revolves around fertilizer. Fertilizer comes from chemicals, unfortunately, etc. that we need. There's no denying that. There's no, I don't care what type of utopian, green, organic world someone wants to live in. The world we live in right now, with 8 billion people in it, revolves around these things on a, not, I, I said daily before, on an hourly basis. Hourly. And when it's screwed up because of foolish ideas, because of incompetence, because of laziness, there are terrible consequences. And I don't mean to be so negative, but phase one is at least focusing on it. I guess by saying this, I'm at least helping people, one, understand the situation, and two, understand that we have chosen this path. Like I started the podcast with, it's rather than going the devil or God, it'd be one thing. Like I said, it was all God natural disasters. This is human stupidity. And on the one hand, it can make you feel angry, but when, at least there's a, when you fake his face in that way, there's an empowerment that comes from it because it's the exact opposite of the victim mentality of like the wokeness where it's everybody else oppressing us. It's everybody else this, everybody else that. No. Now, some of you will say, yeah, but I vote conservative. I vote for free market principles. I vote against these idiots. And I understand where you're coming from. If you're a fiscal conservative, you fought against entitlement programs in this country, which made people lazy and stupid. I'm sorry. I call it the Mitt Romney rule. You know, remember Mitt Romney? I know a lot of people, a lot of you don't have use for him. I understand that. But he was right about one thing. Remember he ran for president? He said, I'm not really too concerned about the very poor. I feel the same way. I call him the full enchilada poor. 
uh, the ones who are just sucking right off the system with absolutely no intention to get off of it because they're overloaded with victimhood and entitlement. They're recession-proof, they're inflation-proof, and they're not losing any sleep right now. All right, so whatever. But the rest of us should be very concerned. So you might be a fiscal conservative and you voted against that nonsense. I get it. And you might be a social conservative. So you voted against pretty much the entire paradigm of if it feels good, do it, which has led to an unprecedented amount of dysfunction in the society that the rest of us end up paying for. I get it. But, you know, if we go the us versus them route, that can bend really bad as well. So we're better off saying we we have decided to do this and then it gives us power to turn the ship around in the time that we have left which i don't see i mean it's got to be like today you know what i mean these problems need to be addressed today and then you look at the white house it's like oh my god this is really bad because you get a sense of you face that what the real problems are you face that only we could fix it and then it's like <laughs> oh my god so but i really believe that um that we're in tough shape and i just hope that the you know mature responsible people start to prepare for the times of head because it's it's all been so clear to some of us that, and, and that's the part that's so aggravating so much of this was so predictable i'm not kidding this just puts it in perspective for me. In my day job, private life, I do a lot of sales appointments. And I was talking to people once the lockdowns here in the People Republic, People's Republic of New York settled down a little bit. I was talking to people on sales appointments. And they're like, and these are, a lot of these were blue collar people, just to put it in perspective. Someone with GEDs. Not that I have a problem with that, but I want to put it in perspective the education difference that they could get it. I have people say to me, you know, between the enhanced unemployment, the PPE loans, just the spraying of money, the bailing out of everybody, every county, every town, every state. They said, How are we going to pay for this? How are we not going to have inflation? And then you flash forward to uh, January, I think it was this year where 16 economists, most of them Nobel Prize winners, winners, wrote a letter saying we don't have to worry about inflation. Janet Yellen, former Federal Reserve Chair, our current Secretary of the Treasury, said this inflation is transitory. If that wasn't a case study, and how important being truth-oriented and having common sense is so much more important than being decorated with accolades and accomplishments and buying into false, mainly left-wing paradigms, I don't know what else is. And that's what scares me. I don't want a civil war, a revolutionary war, I know a revolution. I know a lot of people, uh, even right-wing people, unfortunately, get all jacked up. Oh, we're going towards a civil war. A lot of them never even had military experience before. Uh, they've never seen someone die before, get injured before. I have a, a family friend. He's seen real death. Three tours in Afghanistan. And he says, he connects the dots like I do and says, man, I really do not like where this is heading. He's a very conservative type guy, but he's seen death, he's seen suffering, and he's very concerned about things. Because like I'm telling all you, to go, reality is going this way, and we, out of the utopian hell, I've called Praghelia on previous shows, the meatless, gunless, 
godless, lawless, lawlessness, crime-ridden hell that all their policies aim towards, right up to, from Karl Marx and the rest of them, it's very concerning. And I mean, you're dealing with a group. The smirkers, I call them. You mentioned Keystone. <laughs> oh, Keystone. Yeah, that, that'll really work. A pipeline, a massive pipeline, carrying our second most precious resource in the cheapest way possible. I mean, when oil flowing through a pipeline, I mean, rail moving stuff by rail is relatively inexpensive. Uh, trucking is more expensive. But moving it through a pipeline, our most precious resource, Moving it on a continent, which, by the way, has, some people say, 100 years worth of oil in North America, which we're not allowed to tap into. Just like, you know, we have things we're allowed to do and not. During COVID, we were allowed to do certain things and not allowed to do other things because the smart people had finally got the power they've craved for centuries. All right, so, um, so, the keystones, <laughs> oh, keystone, I get you. And they're the ones I just mentioned, desalinization plants for more water because the Colorado is driving up, drying up as we've known for 20 years. Oh, oh yeah, good luck with that one. <laughs> or if I say um, 2 million people a year wandering into our country, that affects rent prices, whether you like it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure it does. Smirk and laugh and smirk and laugh. And the sad part is that's part of the Friedman, Krugman, AOC, Pelosi, um, you know, the whole group. None of them have even owned a hot dog stand before. A lot of them, like Pelosi, married rich, um, never had real jobs. Bernie Sanders, not one day in the private sector. Can't wait to smirk. Can't wait to laugh. And what you, the problem is you see throughout history, the smirkers and laughers, when the you-know-what hits the fan, which I don't want to happen, Guess who are the first ones everybody comes after? And it's not good. And I don't want that to happen. And the other thing is, that's the other thing I wanted to mention. Where does all this point to? Well, there's only one or two things. Either massive political change, which could start in November of 2022, and lead into November of 2024, if we're lucky. But again, what concerns me is that's even kind of slow for what needs the radical change that needs to take place or you end up with a totalitarian situation which might not happen tomorrow and the reason i say that i don't want that and the i, I the amazing part to me and this is well you know i'm heading towards the end of the podcast here okay the insane idea that the right-wing people are leading the the march towards totalitarianism in this country is just so drop down laughable. You have to be on the level of stupid Goldberg and evil Behar to even come close to under thinking that way. And I'll explain why. You have the group of people who did a fake Russia, Russia, Russia story while suppressing a real Hunter Biden story so right there, you have violations of freedom of speech because you and I can't even talk about it. We couldn't even put links on our social media accounts. Freedom of press, completely manipulated and perverted at this point. They hate guns. They hate, they have no respect for private gun ownership because they don't own them and they don't like them. So, you know, when it comes to abortion, it's their life, their body, their choice. But when it comes to our guns, 
they don't like them. They don't own them. So just, just ban them all. But anyway, just, just that prepubescent level of self-centeredness. So that group is the group that can look you and I in the eye. And while, by the way, promoting constantly environmental stuff that is just a bottleneck. Which, what it's doing, it's creating a bottleneck for our most precious resources that this current world that we live in needs because we're not even close to transitioning in the way, and they've always got some transition going on one way or another, into what they want. But So they're cr trying to create this world so fast that we're not even ready for it that they can create, they might create just an unimaginable amount of suffering in the process. So those are the people making you and I out to be the totalitarianisms. But what I'm saying is, if there's not massive political and cultural change fairly soon to increase the supply of things, you will end up with totalitarianism, even in America, because the average person, again, who they have no respect for and can't relate to, waves their arms up in the air and says, I, I can't take it anymore. And these aren't bad people that can't wait for uh, troops to go in and kill the other side. There are people, history has shown us, even going back to Mussolini in Italy, like they used to say, he makes the trains run on time. So you get up to $7 gas and you get up to uh, your entire take-home pay is gas and groceries. People who are good people, law-abiding citizens say, I, I, I can't take it anymore. I'm doing the blocking and tackling. I'm trying to do the right thing. And no one has, not only do they not have my back, they're making a fool out of me. And that's where it gets dicey. And that's what I don't want. And so what I'm saying is the irony, you have two things with the left, restriction of freedoms. And the other thing is, I'll talk again some more at some point about supply side economics, but the core of conservative economics it has always been going back to Larry Kudlow, going like Art Laffler, people I'm sure you, some of you have never heard of before. The idea that one of your greatest ways to tame inflation is to have is to be able to create a lot of supply, and the way you create a lot of supply is through less regulation, less taxes, in essence, more freedom. Because people have common sense. If someone sees a lot of money being made somewhere, it's human nature. Other people trickle in that direction because they have the freedom to do so. And if they're keeping more of their money and it's not going to non-producers, they can invest in those areas, increase the supply, which drives down the prices, letting the free market work. And that is the most compassionate, compassionate America-oriented democracy freedom oriented way to run an economy is there some regulation involved yes because you know they'll be peeking around the corner you know we're just waiting for the chemicals to go in the river because there's so much they'll find the horror stories i guess is what i'm saying they they love the horror stories and that's why we have to manage their horror stories in a free way like rush limbaugh used to do when he used to talk about how the homeless, the homeless people would pop up magically during the Reagan era, and then they went away, away during Bill Clinton and came back there during George W. Bush because they take the horror stories and use them to pervert what's real and true. Oh, they always have. What I'm saying is, back to what I was saying before, supply side is so important. We are about to enter a period. We are in a period now where 
all these Krugmans and Freedmans and the rest of them, a lot of you know who follow economics know what I'm talking about. They love making fun of supply side. They love making fun of Reagan. They love making fun of trickle down. But yeah, I mean, when you see people that are at awful human beings and you mention supply side and it's like, <laughs> it's like a demon seeing a crucifix. It's just like abortion and everything else. You know you're onto the truth. And so we've lost touch with supply side economics. Now we're seeing major supply constraints and we're going to pay the price for it. I, I hate to say it. So, um, you know, it's, and then and you had the Federal Reserve, the massive creation. Uh, like a friend of mine told me recently, I didn't already know it, but he kind of refreshed my memory. The Federal Reserve's balance sheet was, I believe, 800 million going into 2000, not the crisis in 2008. Now it's 9.5 trillion. I might have my numbers wrong a little bit, but the point is it's, it's, it's exponential. What does that mean in English for you, all of you that don't follow this? The amount of money the United States government owes the Federal Reserve because the Federal Reserve has bought bonds from the United States government is massive. And a lot of you say, well, wait a second, I thought the Federal Reserve was part of the government. Well, yeah, that's part of the Kabuki theater that's taking place that the rest of us, you know, per, per, as usual, the know-it-all crowd goes, oh, <laughs> how could you, that's such a simplistic way to look at it. Okay, guess what? When I see $6 or $5 gas and see a one half a bag of groceries is $40, I don't want to hear the laughers and smirkers. That's my reality. That's your reality. Um... So long term, you're not going to believe this after everything I've just said. I am optimistic about America because of the American spirit, the primal animal spirits, which can become too materialistic and too greedy at, at certain times. I, I agree with that. But our overall appreciation for freedom, which I think, and I, some of you might disagree with me even a lot of people even though i hate how they get here i hate how our southern border is managed i hate the fact that um taxpayer money is being given to people who get here illegally even a lot of people coming here illegally i think have some appreciation for the american spirit which is why so many of them so many of the southern border states if you look at a map it's a southern texas voted for donald trump so i do not think all of that is lost long term I think there's going to be a, a, a period of unimaginable hardship in this country. It's going to make us go back. Either it's going to end in a civil war or we're going to go back to the fundamentals, which is the, what I hope. And I really think it's more likely back to the fundamentals as far as how much the real American approach to things as opposed to the woke Marxist freeing hating nonsense um, way to go about but about things does not work. But in the meantime, as I say, you have to let the children touch the stove. Right now, we are feeling the ramifications of a lot of children in a woke, green, make-believe world touching the stove. But I think we will get through it. But we have to prepare mentally, spiritually, financially to the extent possible, like people have of previous generations, when, as Jamie Dimon, the CEO of the biggest bank in America, said he can see a hurricane 
coming up the coast. Well, you could take two approaches when you see that. You could take the foolish ostrich approach and stick your head in the sand and lose self-respect or just say previous generations, previous human beings outside of America have gone through a lot and we're just going to have to deal with it. And there's no, there's no getting around that. So again, everyone, uh, please leave your comments below. I'd love to hear what you think about the podcast, the video cast. Uh, do you, do you like the professionalism? Do you like the content? Do I need to shave my eyebrows a little bit more? Whatever you think, please let me know. Enjoy your Father's Day weekend, and I will be back soon with another episode of The Least Woke Man in America.